Welcome to the PHNX Coyote Podcast, brought to you by the one and only DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top-rated sportsbook app. And don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, and leave a five-star review. I'm Steve Peters, along with Craig Morgan. Leah Merrill is off today, helping set up our new offices. So I, I'd like to say she's getting a break, but she clearly is not getting a break. We're the two getting the break today. And it's another Trade Talk Tuesday today. Craig, why don't you introduce today's trade? All right. This is uh, this is still a controversial trade. I know there's a lot of disagreement over the value of this trade, but on June 23rd, 2017, on day one of a highly eventful draft in Chicago, I've told this story about driving cross country. GM John Chaika announced that the Coyotes had acquired center Derek Stepan and goaltender Antti Ranta from the New York Rangers in exchange for defenseman Anthony D'Angelo. And the Coyotes, uh, the seventh overall pick in the draft. That's the same day, by the way, that the Coyotes sent Connor Murphy and Lauren Dauphin to Chicago for Nicholas Yalmerson. Um, but we are going to focus on this trade with the Rangers because there is still disagreement over whether this was a wise move or not. And I'll hand the floor to you, PD, first. Well, it, it, you got to look at the time, the timing of this. And this is, it's kind of reminiscent to where we are right now with the current Coyotes team in. They were in a rebuild and they were trying to look to the future and you're trying to expand your draft picks and you're trying to look to what you have down the road because you've dismantled the team and now you're trying to rebuild the team. And so when you look at that trade in, in, in 2017, you go, wait a minute, we're rebuilding and now you're trading away draft picks, assets, young players for older players. And at the time, Derek Stepan was experienced. He wasn't old. I mean, it wasn't, he's only 32 right. now. And so you're looking back five years ago, he's late twenties. Um, still a lot of a gas left in his tank, but, but what direction are we going? And I, and I think that was what was kind of most surprising about this trade is where are we? I think, I think internally, I, I think from a coaching staff perspective, you're like, Oh, good grief. Yes. It, Ranta was highly touted out of New York Rangers, their next big thing. And, and that was a, a good get for a team that really needed a goaltender. Derek Stepan is a leader. He's a centerman, you, you know, wear letter for the New York Rangers. Um, he can help guide a team. Yalmerson, I know he's not part of this trade, but bringing in Yalmerson, another guy's won cups. And you go, oh, okay, this is exciting. We're trying to get back in the playoffs. So I think that that was the thought process in the coaching room. I think the coaches were excited. And, and oh, you, this is a good thing, and we're going in the right direction. But when you look at the big picture of the organization, you start to wonder, where does this leave you down the road? Yep, and that's fair. And that's that. those are the arguments. Like I've heard it said so many times, you don't trade the number seven overall pick when you're rebuilding. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. First off, because I was covering the team so closely then, and, and John Chaika was r- really communicative about what he was trying to do. First off, you're, you're looking for a goaltender that you think is going to blossom into a number one. Auntie Ranta had a good body of work, both in Chicago and in New York. He had never been a starter, and, and that comes into play, obviously, later because of workload. But his numbers were excellent, and a lot of people thought he was ready to take the next step and be a starting goaltender. So... You understood going out and getting a player like that. Um, the other thing the Coyotes were looking for, and again, we're not talking about the Yalmerson trade, but it factors in because it was all part of that same day. They were looking for leadership in the room to help shepherd that young core to NHL adulthood. It's the same thing, uh, albeit different means, 
that Bill Armstrong is doing now with these veterans he's brought in the last two years. You have to have that veteran presence in the room to show young guys the way. If you don't do it, if you just go with a young young group of guys and just let them figure it out for themselves, you run the risk of becoming what Edmonton was for a very long time. A bunch of young players, no leadership. They didn't know how to do it. They missed the playoffs for a decade. Yeah, and this is with that young core. You're yeah. talking about the Clayton Keller, Kraus, Fisher, that core player. Jake we got to lead, yeah. show them the way. And yeah. I think that was the thought process behind the Derek stuff. And even back then, you got to look at it, it was Oliver, it was Max Domi. So there were a lot of those young players. Yeah. And here's the other side of this that people conveniently overlook when they're assessing this trade. You don't trade the number seven overall pick. Okay. Well, John Chica said it before they went into the draft. The 2017 draft is not a good draft. This is the time to take a risk. Go go back and take a look at the 2017 draft now. First of all, with that number seven overall pick, and I know we're jumping ahead a little bit, but it works with the story. The Rangers took Elias Anderson, who has been nothing short of a, a, a big disappointment, just a complete miss at number seven. But you can say, okay, well, the Rangers took the wrong guy because at the top of this draft – you know, you had guys like Miro Heiskin and Kale McCarr and Elias Pettersson, but those were all guys that weren't available to the Coyotes. By the way, this is the same draft that Nico Hishier and Nolan Patrick went one and two. Neither one of those guys would be top two if you redrafted this. But take a look at the draft after Elias Anderson and try and find a bunch of players that you would consider guys who would change your organization. You can make an argument for a guy, maybe for a guy like Nick Suzuki or Robert Thomas, but these are hardly names where you're like, oh my God, how could they have missed on a player like that? The scouting staff and the GM were correct about this draft. The 2017 draft was a poor draft and that is still playing out to this day. So if you look at it in that context as well, you say, okay, maybe this is the time where you take a risk and, and try and bring more leadership into your room. The problem, of course, the, the the converse side of the argument is, do you push this young core too far ahead? Do you push this team too far ahead now where you can't rebuild it? You know, you're not, you're not in a position. You're just stuck in the middle where you're hoping to make the playoffs. You're a playoff bubble team, but you can't really do anything else because you've ensured that your team is too good to draft those players in ensuing drafts and, and, and make it all the better. It's kind of like what we said in the past, Craig. Arizona gets stuck in that 12th to 8th spot, and they keep, they're good enough to fight for the playoff spot, but they can't either get in or can't win, and now you're not bad enough to get those high picks. And so you get into that middle ground, and, and here was a clear opportunity without picking up all of these players that the Coyotes could have stayed in that lower third and maybe through time picked up players. Because you're right, and you go back to that 2017 draft, and you talk about Lewis Anderson and where he picked at seven, the Rangers were in the opposite direction. They're trying to pick up these draft picks. They're trying to get on an age Derek step on, and they felt they had players that could replace anti Ranta. So they're trying to, to they're, they're kind of making that push upward. So they had two picks in the first round there at their second pick in the first round at 21 was Philip Heedle. And if you watch the playoffs yes, last year, Philip Heedle is a very good player for the New York Rangers. He's not on their top line, but he's a solid up and down winger that provides some offense. So he did help push them along, but the pick they got at number seven. Whoops. This is after. Yeah. And, you and you're right. There's nothing else year, there though. Craig, one year after this, the Rangers sent out that letter to their season ticket holder saying, yeah, Hey, we're, we're rebuilding. rebuilding. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we're yeah. tearing it down and rebuilding. So yeah. yeah and we'll be in the Eastern finals before you know it. So just hang tight, yeah, so. which is crazy, right? Yeah. But 
and I, and I, again, uh, I've, I've said this over and over again, although I like what they did this off season to address their issues. I still think that team's a bit flawed, but they got better up the middle. So they helped themselves. But again, yeah, like you said, and I, and I was saying earlier, this is a bad draft. There's no way you can look at the 2017 draft and say, this is one of the better drafts of the millennium. It's going to rank near the bottom, especially when you factor in Nico Hishier and Nolan Patrick going one and two, this is a poor draft. So they assessed that correctly and they did get the leadership from guys like Stepan. And, and how could you not want a guy like Nicholas Yalmerson in your room? A guy who's won three cups, just an absolute warrior to show guys the way. It's just, it's just did they push it too far along? Because we saw what happened. It, it, it's easy to, to uh, look at this with hindsight and say, well, they ended up just spinning their tires in, in, in the mud. And, and there were other factors with that as well. They picked up Bill Kessel and Taylor Hall when they shouldn't have. But they, they they didn't stay true to the rebuild, and rebuilds take a long time. Bill Armstrong has said that to us. You have to stick with it for several years, and you have to take your lumps. Um, and, and another factor that we haven't talked about here is how much pressure is there from ownership to get into the playoffs because you're, you're losing money hand over fist. How much pressure is there from the ownership group to try and get in? Of course, this was a different ownership group at the time as well. The Ice Arizona group that eventually was led by Andrew Barraway. That factors into this as well. We saw this earlier, Petey, like in the earlier part of the decade when there was talk about them relocating. They, they, they felt pressure to put a winning product on the ice when Don Maloney was the GM. And it can, it can set you back because it's not sustainable. And I think that's one of the things to look at for this. We've talked about it with this current setup and the current rebuild. As long as GM Bill Armstrong and the ownership group is current and you keep the same coach, I think you can stay on path and have a plan. As soon as one of those dominoes falls, expectations can change. And I think one thing that you can see through this process currently with the Coyotes is with the short-term plan at the ASU building that there are no expectations of making the playoffs. So that makes it easier to not make these changes, which makes it better for the long-term of the organization. I know that's almost counterintuitive, but it's true. Stick with the plan. And as long as this team can stick with the plan, there are so many good players in next year's draft. They picked up some really good players in last year's draft. They already had some prospects like Dylan Gunther in the pipeline, you know, McBain, Nathan Smith, some younger players that are all in, stick with the plan. And, the, and you don't get derailed and set your rebuild back another decade, which is what happened here in 2017. And it's, it's at the time you, they really wanted to make, okay, we're going to try again. We're going to try to win. And they brought in some good pieces. And you look at, I looked at it the other side too. I looked at when you, when you start about talking about Tony D'Angelo and you remember Tony D'Angelo at the time, again, a, a good offensive player. And Tony D'Angelo has some skill. Like he can get the puck up and down the ice. He can help out your power play. And I think it was really evident this year with Carolina and the playoffs, how strong a defenseman he really can be on the offensive side of the puck. But it's been reported over and over that there are some issues off of the ice sometimes with Tony. And, he, you know, it, it has this was early in his career where he still hadn't quite figured it out. I think as he has matured in the room and, and he's learned, quote unquote, learned his lesson a little bit. Um, this was before that. And it was time. It was time to make a change for the Coyotes. Um, I, I'm not sure how to put it. Like, Tony's a nice kid. He's a nice kid. But there have been some stories revolving him off of the ice. And I think it just wore thin in Arizona. It was time for him to move on. And the Rangers felt they had a strong enough room and enough veteran presence that they could handle a, a player uh, like, like Ant, uh, 
Tony D'Angelo. And you know what? He played really well for him and he was there for a very long time. So I think that piece of it, it was the, the Coyotes giving up on Tony D'Angelo at the time. I don't think that's a piece that they missed. I think it was time and that had evolved and it was time for him to move on. And we already talked about the draft pick wasn't really lost. Yeah. Yeah. So well, we can get to uh Tony, you know, his, his, the trade tree. We'll talk about how Tony wore out his welcome in a couple <clears throat> more places after that. So it's not just, it's not just uh, crafting this narrative for the, the fact that he was a problem in Arizona. He was absolutely a problem in Arizona. And I know a lot of people get frustrated. Oh, he, he can't just speak his mind. There were a lot of issues with Tony D'Angelo in the Coyotes locker room. There were a lot of issues with Tony D'Angelo in the Rangers locker room. And of course, Carolina just felt the uh, felt like they could move on from him this year as well. So that's it, it's not a narrative. It's it's real. At any rate, let's take a look at what these uh, guys brought to their team. I, I just compiled some of the stats. In 224 games with the Coyotes, Derek Stepan had 39 goals and 119 points. Probably not quite the production that you'd be looking for. His first season with the Coyotes was very good. But after that, man, he really fell off a cliff, Petey, in terms of production. Um, it, he's never been the greatest skater, but he found ways to produce in the NHL, and it just didn't happen for him. Antti Ranta, of course, only played 104 games. The injuries, as everyone knows, were a problem. He just couldn't stay healthy, including that first season when he wasn't ready right out of camp. Um, I know Rick Tockett felt he wasn't in shape or he just didn't understand how to train to be a number one goalie. But Antti Ranta was another guy, uh, if you start looking through his history, where there were multiple head coaches who didn't feel that they could rely on him. And it wasn't just that he was injury prone. There were times where coaches felt Antti Ranta just didn't tough it out. He wasn't willing to tough it out for the team. This wasn't just a narrative with Rick Tockett. This was a narrative with Joel Quenville in Chicago and Elaine Vigneault in New York as well. So those are three guys who've been around the block a few times. So that that tells you something about Antti Ranta. The, the, the frustrating part with Ranta is when he was on the ice, he was an elite goaltender. And, and I know people look at Darcy Kemper and say, oh, he's much better than Antti Ranta with the Coyotes because he had that year where a lot of people thought he should have been a you know finalist for the Vezina. If you compare their stats, they're, they're so similar, it's crazy. Um, Darcy Kemper and Antti Ranta basically have the same numbers with, with the Coyotes. Uh, in 104 games with the Coyotes, Ranta went 46, 42, and 11 with a 257 goals against average, a 921 save percentage, and 35.5 goals saved above average. Darcy Kemper's are very similar to that. They're not, they're not better, I can tell you that. Antti Ranta was an elite goaltender when he was on the ice. The problem was he couldn't stay on the ice. It's funny because when you, you talk about where he was with the New York Rangers and what they had and why they were able to let this player go, because they was highly thought of in New York. Antti Ranta, young, athletic, he's quick, he 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 competed extremely hard. So why were the Rangers able to let him go? They were still, Henrik Lundqvist was still their starting goalie. Andre Pavlik was their number two guy at the time. And then they had a young goalie on the way up. And you might think it's the goalie they have now, but it isn't. It was Alexander Georgiev. So Georgiev was the guy that they said, okay, we got to look at Ranta as a number three or Georgiev as a number three. And we got, let's take the young kid. Let's develop the young kid. We have room to move Ranta out. And lo and behold, 
not too much later, uh, Shesterkin comes through the Ranger organization. Yeah. I think that right. would be he okay. He was a 2014 draft pick, Shesterkin. So he was there as well. <laughs> just nobody knew about Just him. not quite in the pipeline yet. He wasn't part of this roster on that team this year. He was, he was developing, as they say. But that that was that was what allowed them, with Shesterkin, Georgiev, Lundqvist, Pep, that allowed them to move Ranta on. When Ranta came to the Coyotes, he was going to be the preemptive number one. He was the number one goalie. Kemper comes as the number two with a really good com- contract later on. Um, as he comes in through LA with, with a trade deal. Um, and, and you think, okay, Ranta competes. He is quick, unbelievably athletic. I, I always thought he was a little undersized, but you know what? When you have the other skill sets that he has, you go, oh my gosh, this th- we can win hockey games with this guy. And then he gets hurt. And then he gets hurt again. And then he gets hurt and he doesn't quite come back. And then he gets hurt again. And then you go, uh oh, uh oh. Yeah. Like this, this is the concern. And and unfortunately, it was year after year after year after year. And you're right. There was a stretch when when he put 35 games together in the second half of a season that was miserable. That first um, Rick Tockett season that you go, okay, this is a horrible season. And he came out and he was lights out the second half. Like he was one of the better goalies in the league the second half of the season from January 1st on. He he was able to string those games together. But again, right before the end of the season, he gets hurt again. And you go through now and it, after he leaves Arizona and Carolina this year, and you go, oh, Carolina, he was fantastic. We played 28 games in Carolina. And in the playoffs, when they needed him most with Freddie Anderson on the, you know, up in the press box, and they needed him most, he gets hurt again. Yep. Got hurt twice in those playoffs. So he is a wonderful human being. And we say this yep. a lot on the show. And he is such a nice guy. And and I we had some great conversations because he's the uh in his time in Chicago with the Blackhawks, he became a baseball fan. And his team of choice was the Chicago White Sox. He became a huge White Sox fan, and I'm a twins fan, and they're in the same division. So we'd battle all the time when they faced each other, we'd talk about it in, in spring training would be White Sox versus twins. And to this day, we still send in, in um, training camp um, during spring training. We send each other texts about whose team's going to be better. Wonderful human being. I, I just wish he was able to put it together. And I thought this year with the Carolina playoffs, he was finally going to get his due and it was going to be his time. And then unfortunately it just wasn't, um, I don't, which is too I bad. His body is built for it, Petey. I don't know if his body is built to be a number one goaltender. I don't know if he can take the workload. And you know, I don't, and you talk about his size too, and, and the way he competes and his flexibility and it, it always made him probably a little more prone to injury. And I am not a sports physiotherapist. So don't, People call me and go, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. All I know is he competed really hard. He's a flexible guy, but he got hurt way too often. And I don't know what people's pain thresholds are. I don't know. If you're hurt, you're hurt. If you say you can't play, you can't play. Um, we've seen it here with other players, other goalies. So I, I don't want to hold that against him. I, I just wish he was able to put it together because there were times you thought this guy was, oh my goodness, he can really play. But by the time the Coyotes do, you talked about it, trying to be a playoff team and push it along. By the time they make the playoffs in the bubble in 1920, um, for the first time, after acquiring Stepan and Ranta, Ranta wasn't the guy. It was Darcy Kemper was the guy. So, you know, you look at the trade tree and, you know, he, they let him go. They let him go as a free agent signing. They get nothing in return and he moves on. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, you look at uh, what Tony D'Angelo and Lias, well, Lias Anderson, we've already talked about, he ended, only ended up playing 66 games with with the Rangers. He had three goals, nine points. I think in his, I think if I'm remembering this correctly, they had intros where they skated onto the ice and Lias Anderson tripped and fell. And that that is my lasting memory of Lias. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> wow. 
it's a short and now change. he's in LA. Um, Anthony D'Angelo, of course, as you mentioned, 167 games with the Rangers, 19 goals, 92 points. Obviously, very productive from the back end, and he helped them for a few seasons before he. Well, I wonder as we're getting ready for the hockey season, what the odds are for both playoffs for the Rangers and the Arizona Coyotes. But more importantly, it's almost college football season. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use promo code PHNX. Bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code PHNX only at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Please see show notes for details. Well, as we move along in this tree, is there more to the tree? Well, we talked about Stepan. What happens with Derek Stepan? <laughs> this is cool, actually. And I, I, I like this, this back when Coyotes fans are assessing, uh, you know, the overall win-loss of the trade. Eventually, the Coyotes acquired a second round pick in 2021 for Derek Stepan. Another one of those trades that Bill Armstrong pulled out where people were like, how in the hell did they get a second round pick for Derek Stepan with what he's been? But Ottawa gave it up. It was a high 2021 second round pick because Ottawa was a very bad team. And who did the Coyotes use that pick on? They drafted Josh Doan. So that is part of the trade tree here. Uh, um, and, and we don't know what Josh Doan is going to be yet. He's obviously playing at ASU. He's probably going to stick there for at least three seasons. But it's hard not to get excited about another Doan in a Coyote jersey. So when you look at the tree, this is the piece that's interesting to me. Because I, with Derek Stepan, and I, I, I overuse it. I've already done it in today's show. Derek Stepan's a good guy. He is a guy um, that tries, tries his best to play the right way. And I know his foot speed has been a question at times, but it's not because of lack of heart or lack of trying to do things the right way. Um, when he left, it, it left a, a hole in the locker room. It just did because he was a leader and he wasn't experienced and he'd come up through the Rangers. So he knew how to do things the right way and what the expectations there were. Um, so losing Derek Stepan was, was a big loss. And I felt bad for Derek Stepan because he went into a situation in Ottawa that didn't really fit him. It wasn't a good mix for him. He didn't really have the, the impact that he had in Arizona. He didn't have the roles he had in Arizona. I didn't, wasn't a fit. I, I don't think he was happy from the day he opened the door in Ottawa. And when you're not happy, it's hard it's hard to go to work every day. And I don't think they were thrilled with his performance. Um, he played 20 games in Ottawa and he ended up scoring one goal in his you time. Remember the circumstances there too. His wife, they just had a kid. Yeah. It was, it was the timing was terrible. And they loved it here in Arizona and the Absolutely. community and the weather. And he really wanted to go. Honestly, we've talked about this with Nick Bukestake. You want to go home. Like he, he really wanted to go back and play for the Minnesota wild. I think that was somewhere in the back of his mind. His real desire was to get back home and get back to Minnesota. It just wasn't in the cards. They just didn't need that type of player at that time, and, and it just didn't work out for him. So for him to move along from Ottawa to Carolina, um, I was happy for him. I think it was a better fit for him. He played a little a little bit more. He still wasn't an everyday guy. I mean, he's a guy who was a healthy scratch. He was a healthy scratch in the playoffs. Um, but I, I think personally he was a little happier there than he was in Ottawa. So it was sad to see him go. But again, everything evolves. Everything changes. You got to keep moving on to the future. And I think getting Derek Stepan out the door, and you you talk about it. Now you turn 
him into Josh Doan. Now, what will Josh Doan be? I don't know. It's too early to tell in his development path. And, you know, expectations are high. And he had a really good um, summer development camp this year. And he's evolving and developing on a path that everybody hopes he become an everyday NHL player. But I'll tell you this, by the time Josh Doan is ready to, to make a, a crack at the NHL, Derek Stepan won't be. So when you look at the long-term path, um, the Coyotes have a player that's going to be a viable player for a player that won't be. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Derek Stepan's a free agent right now. And you wonder, you know, with the the current economics of the league, you wonder what's going to happen to these veterans. You know, uh, do you you just go with a a young guy that that is going to play on a cost-effective contract? Or do you want one of these veterans maybe blocking the path of somebody that you'd like to see in the NHL? It's a tough time for guys of this age. Um, unless they're willing to take really, really cheap contracts. That's 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 the only way I see players like Derek Stepan staying in the league at this point. So it's, Or like it's one of the contract offers that Barry Trotz received was free beer for life. And if, if that was the case for my contract at PHNX with Four Peaks, <laughs> I might sign the lifetime deal right now. Um, because with Four Peaks, we right now are going to need our next winner of the Toast of the Month sweepstakes to win a $50 Four Peaks gift card, a PHNX shirt of your choice, and a PHNX annual membership. Go to gophnx.com or click on the link in the show notes. And you must be 21 or older to enjoy Four Peaks responsibly. And I tell you what, we moved yesterday. Well, when I say we, I mean me, because Craig didn't. And Four Peaks was a big part of that move because everyone was able to enjoy Four Peaks at 10 o'clock in the morning. Can you say that? I think you can, because we enjoyed responsibly. And the other thing that happened during the move is we were given for lunch Burrito Express from Tempe. And I tell you what, if you haven't, I know Burrito Express is a big sponsor of the ASU show. If you haven't had a Burrito Express, Express burrito, massive burritos, fed our whole crew yesterday, and that was a big crew, although Sean DePaz had two. I, I, I barely got through a half. Because <laughs> Mr. Nine Hot Dogs, yeah. Yeah, because I was just trying to, I still wanted to keep, stay a little bit light because I knew I had more work to do. Um, but one other thing to keep in mind for the Burrito Express, Daniel Nagata, the freshman running back for the ASU football team, will be at an autograph signing at the Tempe location on August 20th at the Burrito Express. He's bringing along his teammates, Ladarius Henderson, Mateo Ortiz, Omar Norman Lott, and Elijah Badger. So go out and see all the SU football crew at Burrito Express at their Tempe location on August 20th. Sorry you missed out on the Four Peaks and Burritos, Craig. Uh, well, yeah. Sorry I, I couldn't be there to help you guys move, but doctor's orders still can't, can't, I tell you what, can't work out quite yet. Moving is not as fun as you might remember. I don't know. And I, I don't I never remember get off, it being fun <laughs> completely off the rails. But when you're with your friends and you're in college or just after college, when everybody's shuffling from apartments all the time, hey, can you help me move? It's the worst phone call in the I hate moving, hate it. And now I look at this move and our old offices were on the seventh floor. Our new offices are on the fifth floor. So there's, there's elevators involved. Thank God they're not stairs, but still you're dealing with service elevators. And and there is so much more stuff than you realize. And you're just like, I don't ever, ever. I, I, I think that convinced me not to move from my house. I may never move because I don't want to go through that again personally. So you're lucky you missed out on that, Craig. Yeah. I am, Craig, uh, go ahead. No, I'm just going to say, what, what do you have upcoming in your written stories that you can tell about in the next week? Well, I, I mean, the, the Tempe City Council obviously is is going to get some very important information from city staff, uh, a presentation, research, et cetera. So this thing is going to come to a head pretty soon. We had uh, 
council member Randy Keating on the show recently telling us that they'd, l- they'd like to have this wrapped up by the fall, but at the latest by the holidays. Well, not that far away now, PD, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're mid August already. So by the time they assess this, you know, and, and get some more public feedback, which I know is a big part of this process, we're going to be into the fall and a decision is going to be coming soon. So I'll, I'll have something on that and then I'll just continue to, you know, look at some of the, uh, some of the pieces that are going to be back, um, hopefully talking to Christian Fisher um, and then some other players. We'll see. It's it's the slow time of year right now. You try and respect guys' downtime and not bug them too much. But there are some, still some important things ahead. Hopefully they get Barrett Hayton signed here soon. Tucson still needs to name a head coach. So there are a few stories coming down the pipe. Well, if you want to keep up with everything arena news related and anything else that Craig Morgan has written, please go over to gophnx.com and become a member. Um, So you have access to all of his written material and all the written material of all of our writers across all platforms at PHNX. Become a member of the family and you'll either get a free t-shirt from the PHNX locker or your first month for just 50 cents for signing up. So please become a member at gophnx.com and become part of the family. You also get access to our members only discord where you can talk to Craig Lee and I about hockey and all things chips and cookies and food related items. Um, Become a member of the great PHNX family. Go to gophnx.com. Well, Craig, what else do we have today? Who won the trade, Petey? Well, gosh. See, this is hard for me. Actually, it's not. It's actually really easy. But I think for the the, the short term, I think what what the players provided that were here, meaning Antti Ranta and Derek Stepan, what they provided to the Coyotes at the time, I believe on that alone versus Tony D'Angelo and Leah Sanderson, what they provided to the Rangers – in that portion alone, I think the Coyotes win the trade. Yeah. You go farther and where where are they at today? And you're looking at 2022, what pieces are still in place for each organization? And you're looking at Josh Doan versus Leah Sanderson. Is he's still part of the organization? Is he no, he's not. He's no, gone. He's in LA. He's in LA. So that again, and so you look at the future. Yeah. I mean, I look again, they, the, the, what they brought to the kid is Derek Stepan, in particular in terms of leadership, Auntie Ronza obviously did not pan out and they had to go get Darcy Kemper to be their starting goalie. But I understood the move at the time. Tony D'Angelo had a few good seasons with New York, but they signed him to a two year, 9.6 million contract in October of 2020. He lasts six games before his antics, his use of social media and everything becomes such a source of frustration for range Rangers management that they eventually buy him out. The breaking point comes, of course, in, uh, in January of that year when he has that post-game altercation with Georgia, the guy we just talked about. New York buys him out, and he signs with Carolina. Now he's with Philadelphia. There were problems with Anthony D'Angelo all along. So in spite of the stats, not a guy you want in your room. Elias Anderson, complete disappointment, gets traded for a second-round pick, for someone named William, I think it's pronounced Queel. I'm not sure. He's a, an AHL defenseman. So really, I don't know that New York got much out of this. <laughs> I don't know that they got much out of it at all. I think the Coyotes won this trade hands down. I do too. And for the big splash at the time, I, I think short-term and long-term, this is one of the trades, and we don't say it very often on this show, this is one of the trades that I think goes to the Coyotes. Yep. So, the, oh, I, I tried. I tried. 
try to do my own sound effects as I'm producing and hosting and trying to juggle some balls here. <laughs> um, yeah, so I give this to the Coyote trade, and there's fi- finally some positive news on a Trade Talk Tuesday, which it doesn't happen much. And I just want to remind everybody that we are also partnering at PHNX with FOCO. That's F-O-C-O dot com. They are the leader in sports merchandise and collectibles. FOCO has got you covered with the best in Arizona merchandise. They have officially licensed gear for men, women, and kids. And everything from bobbleheads to swimsuits to Crocs. Head over to foco.com or click on the link below in the description. For all non-presale items, use the code PHNX for 10% off. There you go. So there's your FOCO read for the day. And I tell you what, if you haven't gone to FOCO just to see how many different things they can put a logo on, you should really go check out FOCO.com because <laughs> it's amazing the amount of stuff that you can put a pro sports team logo on. Okay, this is Trade Talk Tuesday. We've got some other shows coming up this week. I'd like to say we could talk about them today, but because things are so fluid, both yeah. at the studio with personnel and with some of the people we're trying to get to come in and talk hockey, that I don't think we're ready to announce people that we're going to have on the show in the next three days. But but stay tuned. We'll live. To, yeah, stay tuned to the PHNX Coyotes Twitter. Uh, follow Craig S. Morgan at Craig S. Morgan, me at S. Peters Hockey. And Leah, if she was here, it's at Leah Merrill. And we will make sure you're up to date on all the latest Coyotes news and what is upcoming on the PHNX Coyotes podcast and what you can look forward to the rest of the week and the rest of the month leading up into the training camp. Craig, I know we're going to have a guest on maybe tomorrow, maybe Thursday, maybe Friday, but we will be talking hockey for sure over the next three days. I know we've got some USA hockey stuff we want to talk about coming up. And we also want to talk about some Coyotes who are recently back in town and starting to get ready for the upcoming season. But I think we'll have to hold that off until we can confirm. Yep. Fluid week. Very fluid week. Anything else you want to discuss before we let you go today on this trade talk Tuesday, Craig? No, I think we covered it. I, I, I do. You know, I know, like I said, there's this, this is a controversial trade and a lot of people think the Coyotes shouldn't have done this. And I can understand it from the vantage point of it accelerated the rebuild too much. So they didn't get the pieces they needed in ensuing years, but I understood the thinking at the time for bringing in veteran leadership and maybe bypassing a pick in the 2017 draft because it was a lousy draft. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in again today. The PHX Coyotes podcast, please hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and keep up to date with all the Coyotes news here at the PHX Coyotes podcast. We'll see you real soon. We'll be back tomorrow with a live show on Wednesday, the 17th. See everybody tomorrow.